Buenos dias. Thank you. Wow. Good job. Hola, amigo. <laughs> uh, hello, my name is Roman Gonzalez. I am the assistant pastor of Ironworks. Um, and it is a great blessing to be able to bring uh, the word of the Lord uh, for you all again. In April uh, 2019, author Melissa McLaughlin published an article where she described uh, the uh, hours of horror that she and uh, her husband uh, went through after uh, her first uh, baby girl was born five weeks earlier than it was suspected. And let me read for you um, part of what she said after the doctors uh, told her that her, her baby girl needed to um, remain at the hospital uh, to be taking um, uh, proper uh, care. She says, though we knew the doctor's decision was based on sound medical practices for our baby girl, our hearts were heavy at the glass that separated us from our precious little one. Heart of my heart, love of my love, tiny gift from God. We were so close, just on the other side of the glass not closed enough. If I couldn't cuddle her tiny body in my arms, it was too far. If I couldn't feel her soft skin against mine, it was too far. If I, if I couldn't kiss her velvet cheeks, it was too far. If I couldn't hear the beats of her little heart, it was too far. If I couldn't sing a lullaby to her when she was crying, it was too far. If I couldn't watch her eyes open and look into mine, it was too far. The passage we are considering today, I think, speaks to the situation that Melissa and many of us, uh, like her, have gone through. So I would like to invite um, James uh, Carr to read from the Gospel of Jesus Christ according to the Gospel of John. Uh, John 1, 1 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, James. One of the most outstanding truths in the Bible is that God wants to be near us. God wants to be near you. Think about it. The God who created the whole universe, the self existing, self-authenticating, infinite God wants to be near you. That is a big statement that we constantly find repeated in the Bible. God wants to be near us. The most remarkable Perplexing, jaw-dropping, all mesmerizing statement probably in the whole Bible is that God wants to be near you. But regardless of the fact that this is a truth that is constantly repeated in the Bible, we tend to struggle to believe that that is actually the case. And when I say that we struggled believing that that is actually the case, I am not saying that we don't know that truth in our minds, like theoretically speaking. But what I mean by that is that in our functional theology, we struggled believing that that is actually the case that God wants to be near us. The opening words of the Gospel of John, I consider are a powerful tool for fighting against the unbelief and that lack of faith that God is and wants to be near us. So today I would like to consider three things that I think, I think that in the Gospel of John, specifically the text that we just read, are three things that God has done on our behalf to be near us so that we can also be near God. And those three things are, one, he has given you a new beginning. He has given you a new beginning. Second, he has brought you 
to a new exodus. He has brought you to a new exodus. And number three, he has come to dwell with you. He has come to dwell with you. So let me begin uh, with the first one. God has given you a new beginning. If you have been a Christian for some years, uh, you would know that the phrase that John uses, in the beginning, is one of the most known phrases uh, in the book of John or in the gospel or uh, in the gospel of John. But not only in the gospel of John, but also in the whole Bible, right? Because that's the way the Bible begins, The Bible begins with, in the beginning, right? And as you can see, John is using this theme of the beginning to describe or to to write his prologue. And I think the reason why he is doing this, well, he is doing that for many reasons, several reasons, But today, I'm I'm going to share with you two. And the first one is that by John alluding to Genesis and saying, in the beginning, he is establishing from uh, from the outset in his gospel that Christ is God. That's That's the main point that he is trying to make in the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So from the outset, he is, John is saying, Christ is God. He is eternal. But another reason that I believe uh, John is using the word in the beginning and by then uh, making uh, an allusion to Genesis when everything began, when time began, is that he is saying that with the coming of Christ, a new beginning has also come. That with the coming of Christ, the dawn of a new day has also arrived. The day, the, the, the time, the, 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 the new beginning, when everything that was messed up because of sin was going to be put right again. And John then describes and he says that Christ um, has brought a new beginning. He is the one who will bring a new order of creation. You know, actually, that's the reason why John is um, alluding to the book of Genesis. Christ is the one who is bringing a new beginning creation. And in that sense, John 
is, I was almost about to say it in Spanish, um, Juan, or John, is actually saying that Christ is then the creator of the new creation. Not only the old creation, but also the new creation. He is the new humanity. He is the new creation. The Bible teaches us that our desire is to be near our loved, uh, our loved ones, like um, Melissa wanted to be close to her daughter. It's just a shadow of our deepest desire to be near God. When we desire to be some, uh, uh, near someone, that is just a shadow of our deepest desire to actually be near God. And you know, those are good news because the Bible says, as I already explained, that God also wants to be near us. <clears throat> In fact, the whole history of redemption can be summarized the following way. The history of redemption, it's about all the things that God has done for us to bring us close to him. But the problem is that we want to be near God, but he, God, is sinless. And in order for us to be near him, we also need to be sinless as he is. We need to be pure as he is pure, and in short, we need to be holy as he is holy. God in Christ has given you in a new beginning if you believe in him. He is the one who is recreating the whole universe. And God in Christ has removed all obstacles that keep us away from him. So this is the first uh, thing that John mentioned, mentions when, uh, where God shows that he wants to be near us. He wants to be near you. So by giving you a new beginning, by making you a new creation, the light of the world is coming to shine upon you and to be near you. What else has God done to be near you? Well, this is my second point. As I said, God has also brought you to a new exodus. It's very interesting how John, in his uh, prologue, or the introduction to his gospel, in the first section he uses the book of Genesis to give form and, and to structure the first part of his prologue. But the second part, from verses, um, or at least from verses 14 to 18, he is using the book of Exodus to also uh, use imagery from the book of Exodus and to also structure um, his writing or his gospel at the beginning. 
if there was a part in Israel's story, <coughs> excuse me, if, if there was a part in the story of Israel that every Israelite was supposed to know, that was the great Exodus. And uh, many scholars think that uh, uh, Exodus chapter 33 and 34 are in the back of John's mind when he's writing this part of the prologue. And you can actually see that in Exodus 33 and 34, Israel is at Mount Sinai. They have broken the covenant by building the golden calf. So God is going to renew the covenant with Israel by asking Moses to bring two tables again to write the Decalogue. Through Moses, God will give Israel the law and Moses' face, as we will remember, will shine, will look glorious. And then... God will reveal his character to Moses. Well, John uses the same theme to indicate that with the arrival of Jesus, a new, better, and greater exodus is taking place. With the arrival of Jesus, a new, better, and greater exodus is taking place. But this time is not under Moses, but under Christ himself, that the people of Israel, the true Israel of God, will be brought into God's holy mountain, a new Sinai, to hear the voice of God and to receive his word. It is Christ who is greater than Moses, who will lead God's people out of slavery from sin and bring it to God's presence. You may notice that in verse 17, God, uh, John directly mentioned Moses, the great uh, legislator of Israel. He says that the law was given by, by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. What uh, John is saying, uh, among several things with that statement, is that Christ himself is a prophet. It's not just Moses giving the law, but that Christ himself in this new exodus that is taking place with the arrival of Jesus Christ, Christ himself is the prophet. But not just the prophet. Christ himself is the message itself that his people are to receive. Jesus, in other words, is the ultimate and complete revelation of God. In him, we can see the glory of God, not like with Moses, but in him. So this also means that God will not talk to you in any other way. God will not um, 
talk to you in, in a more extra uh, eloquent way than the way that he has done in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the climax of God's revelation. If you want to see how God looks like, look to Jesus. He is his ultimate and climatic revelation. So in the same way that God uses his word to lead his people um, by Moses, now it is with Christ, who is not only uh, the greater Moses, but the very word of God, that God speaks to his people to bring their to bring them near him. And John himself would say in chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It is the voice of God, uh, which God uh, it is the voice of God, the, the, the instrument that God uses to bring his people near him. And in Jesus, we have the climatic revelation of God. So in Christ, God has performed a new exodus where he gives us his word to guide us and to bring us near him. But there is a third thing John tells us that God has done to be near us. And that is, he has come to dwell with us. Christ has come to dwell with you, and I'm going to say, in you. If you look with me uh, in verse 14, John says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word became flesh and dwelt and dwelt among us. Most of us probably have read this, uh, this phrase, this sentence, and he dwelt among us. And because of the way they have translated it, we didn't notice the profound statement that John is actually making. When he says, the word of God dwelt among us. And again, this is Old Testament language. This is the language that the people of Israel and God himself, we use um, to describe the tent or the tabernacle of God. In other words, when John is writing this part of the prologue, he is saying, and the word pitched his tent among us. Uh, some scholars would say that a better translation, a more accurate translation, would be, and the word tabernacled with us or among us. What John is saying by using that word that describes the tabernacle, the tabernacle is 
that Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle, that he is actually the reality that the tabernacle was pointing to in the Old Testament. He is the true tabernacle, and that the tabernacle was pointing to the incarnation of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, to Christ becoming human, is what, that, um, what John is basically saying. I love how theologian Graham's uh, Wellsworthy um, expresses the, the, the purpose of, or the idea of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And he says that the tabernacle expresses God's deep desire to live among his people. The tabernacle of Israel is God's deep is expressing God's deep desire to live among his people. That is one more thing that God has done in Jesus to be near you. <clears throat> the words of Melissa uh, remind us that we like to be close to those we love. We like to see them. We enjoy, enjoy to touch them, even to smell them. We want to even name those we love. That's a way to be close to them. And I'm pretty sure you know that there are studies that show that, uh, uh, that the, first thing, the first thing that you should do after a baby was born is to bring her or him close to him or her mother to help him or her uh, recovering from, from the traumatizing process of being born close to her or his mother. That is only showing us that we are people that we want to be close, right? And as I said at the beginning, this, this is uh, the, the way God um, helps us um, meeting that need um, of us is by actually sending his son. Uh, probably you have been... Uh, struggle, as I said at the beginning, we struggle um, believing that this is truth, that God wants to be near us. And there, there are at least two ways that at least I can see now that we struggle, uh, or, or two reasons why we struggle uh, believing that God wants to be near us. And one of them is that we consider ourselves unworthy of having God as close as he wants to be uh, with us. We, we, we think we, are, we, we don't deserve it. We are so sinful. We, 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 we struggle so much with sin that we don't deserve it. And you know that is a, a completely, absolutely truth. We don't deserve it. But the point that I'm trying to make is that John 
it's saying that being near God is not so much about what you can do to be near him, but what he has done to be near you. He has given you a new beginning if you believe in him. If you're here for the first time and you, and you think you're just checking out and probably thinking, considering Christianity, but we do Christians believe that God has given us a new beginning. And that new beginning entails regeneration, the making of all things in your life new again. But also, God has brought you to a new exodus. And he draws you near him by guiding you with his word. And thirdly, as I was saying, by actually coming in, in, the, in flesh, by taking on himself flesh so that we could also be near him. Many times, as I said, we struggle with that idea that I'm unworthy. And yes, we are. As I said, it's not about what you can do, but what God has done for you to be near you. Now, there is another reason why we struggle believing that God is near us. And this is um, particularly uh, um, a way that I've been actually struggling, uh, believing that God is near me. And if you are like me, and I suspect that since you are also human, you t also go through the same uh, kind of uh, um, hardship in life and also uh, kind of lack of faith sometimes, is that when we go through trials, when we go to moments of uh, really hard and difficult moments, it is very hard to believe that God is near us. It is very hard to believe that God is near us. I remember and I think I already shared with you with uh, uh, you in the past. I remember when my dad was in that cold room in the hospital, dying. And I remember that one of the things that I wanted to do is that I wanted to be with him. I didn't want to to uh, I didn't want him to be alone or just by himself. I wanted to be with him in his last moment in, in this world. But the doctors didn't allow me to be where he was. So I was just looking at him at the distance. He was laying on his dying bed, moving his head from one side to another. And I was thinking, how is he going through the, through dead? and being by himself. And I thought, I, I, I wish I could see angels surrounding his bed, taking care of him and making sure that he was not alone. And you know, I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. It was cold. It was the middle of the pandemic. 
And then when I think back, and when I, when I bring those memories to my mind, I say, Roman, you need to understand that you wanted to be near him, but just, you are just only a human. You are so limited. You can't do that. And I learned that even though I wasn't there, that even though I didn't see any angels, God was nearer to him. Even though I couldn't see it. Because you know, the tabernacle, the whole point of the tabernacle is in, in the Old Testament was to be a vi, uh, vi, uh, visual way to represent the promise that God said to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be with you. And then the tabernacle. But Christ is the new tabernacle. In Christ, God is saying, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He has bound himself to be one of us. Some people think that in, 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 in and I didn't want to touch on too much about the background of early Gnosticism in the book of John. But uh, some scholars have said that John is actually addressing these uh, early Gnostic uh, beliefs. You know, if you're a little bit familiar with that, uh, you will know that Gnostic believe that uh, the matter or physical world was evil. So John is saying by, by, by affirming that, the, that Christ came in the flesh, John is basically tearing down that argument. And he's saying, no, actually being a body is good. The, the God who created everything said that it was good, saw that it was good, and now in the new creation, even better. It is very uh, amazing to me how, how John, in his first epistle, basically opened his first epistle, First uh, John 1, almost the same way he opened the gospel. Listen, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. You know what, what, what John is saying in other words? Christ came in the flesh so that we could hear him, so that we could touch him, so that we could see him. God has done all that, showing that he wants to be near you. Believe it. Embrace it. That's my prayer. God bless you. Please stand up.